Welcome to the Look It's Rock and Roll podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. Today, I'm really blessed to be joined by a musician, Joe Bailey from the UK. Joe, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. You're right. So Joe's going to be releasing a new album. Um, why don't you give folks the details of your album and when it's going to be released and where they're going to be able to find it, and then we're going to talk about it. Okay, so the new album's called Ghosts. It's going to be released on the 14th of May, so that's not long now. Um, it's It's been a long time coming. Um, it'll be available on Bandcamp to purchase, and then somewhere down the line we'll make a CD of it as well. Um, it'll also be available to stream on likes of Spotify and, you know, the usual suspects. So this is your sixth album, going back in time to the beginning of your musical history and your first release. What got you into, well, number one, what made you decide to be a, a musician creating these works of art and having the guts to share them with the, with the world? You know, what got you into this whole uh, adventure? So I've been uh, musical since I was a small kid because my whole family's musical. Um, so it, it was kind of passed down to me. I, I started learning piano when I was eight and then from I, I even made my own my first song when I was eight as well. It wasn't particularly great, but it was a start. And then from there, I've always written songs. I was writing songs in high school, and I've just carried on. Um, I've actually recorded, you know, a lot of albums over the years before the debut came out, but I just just never bothered to release them. It was always once they were finished recording, I'd be on straight into the next one. So it was never, it never really came to mind until the end comes too late. I thought, oh, well, I'll, this is good. I'll release this one out. Yeah, and I, I must say, going back through your catalogue and starting with that, before I listened to the advance of your new album, I started, I went sequentially album by album by album to see your growth. And it's amazing the level of musicality that was present on that very first album and from which you've grown from really suggests a, a, a very, you know, deep melodic sense. You know, who who are some of the influences for you musically that you've enjoyed that really made you say that you want to express yourself musically? Um, well, I suppose, well, I've always been into, into metal. I was always into, when I was younger, I was always into power metal um, mainly. So that's probably where my sort of love of melody came from. Um, you know, um, the likes of my favourite band is Cradle of Filth, which is completely opposite of the music I'm making. But but um, the sort of orchestral side of things um, with them has been a big influence on me. Um, lots of orchestral bands like Epica, Dimmy Bugger, bands like that have always inspired me because of the the, the grandiose epic sound. Um, and then further down the line, there was I got when I got into like progressive music there was bands like dream theater porcupine tree who kind of started that off for me and then later on i discovered bands like the flower kings and frost and they're two of my favorite bands now and they're probably two of my biggest 
um, influences and inspirations to to write the music I do. Right. I, I mean, you mentioned a couple of bands there that I'm familiar with, and I'm much more back and stuck in the 70s and 60s in terms of my kind of my rock preferences. But there were some elements of, you know, I was looking up some stuff on, uh, you know, YouTube to listen. I was, I was thinking, oh, I, I hear a little bit of Nightwish in there, you know, or, yeah. you know, of, of that style or genre. And then I was going, oh, Jean-Michel Jarre for the keyboards. You know, the, the, there were some of the electronica, you know, f- f- the older electronica rather than the nearer because there's two distinctive eras and you you you've got jean and what he did from the french perspective but the the layered keyboards with which are so orchestral in arrangements that they're all doing different things really came through and i also got some modern maiden coming through without the triple without the triple guitars when you think yeah. of some of the power of how they layer their keyboards as they become a much more progressive band in their latter years, um, I, I was getting, so those are my musical reference points to, to your music. And, you know, it's been two, nearly two years since your last album, less than nothing came out. That was late 2019. So it's closer to 18 months, you know, what has changed in that period for you as a musician? And when did work on this album start? So I started writing the the new album. I think it was during, I think it was about a month after I'd finished Less Than Nothing. So it was before that had even come out, I'd started writing Ghosts. And then um, it was pretty much all ready to go. And then we went into a lockdown because um, we'd had a plan to make a, an accompanying music video to go with, you know, to close close to the release date of the album, and then everything went, um, everything everything locked down, and it was just I was unable to do anything, so everything just had to come to a standstill temporarily whilst we try and sort things out. Um, the same with the artwork as well, because that wasn't done, and we needed to go out and get that done together, but we we weren't able to. So that raises a very interesting question of it comes into 2020, you've released less than nothing, and obviously COVID did hit the world and bring us all to a screeching halt. I had flights booked for London, you know, that got flights were canceled and and all that. Um, I, I don't want to necessarily linger on the pandemic and how we've all coped with it, but how has that approach or changed your approach to writing has there been an impact from the pandemic and kind of the social um things that you observe as a as a lyricist uh has it crept in to your expression on this album um not so much on this album because all the lyrics for this album were written just before um the pandemic started really i think anyway or it was around that time but um there was more of a sort of um my lyrics were affected during the dark monarchy um writing process i mean that was littered with um lyric lyrical references to the the um the pandemic but on ghosts not so much that's just more like sort of personal demons or you know personal personal grouches you know Right. So, so what is your approach to this album? Did you have a concept that you were exploring, a theme, a common theme that runs through it, or were they separate? Um, are they all separate songs, or did, is there a common thread that you feel runs through the album? 
Um, yeah, they are all separate songs, but um, when I was naming the album, I thought Ghosts would be a perfect um, uh, name for the album. Uh, the final song, which is the title track, wasn't didn't have a name, didn't have a name for ages. And then when I came up with the name for the album, then it it made sense to call that just call it Ghosts. I um, you know Ghosts could mean a number of things like personal demons, um, you know, th- things that you're worried about, you know, generally things that I, I write about. Um, I think ghosts just summed everything up. Yeah. Going through a lot of your songs, there seems to be an almost spiritual exploration of the human condition, the things that affect you, your outlook on yeah. other people's behaviors, um, analysis of your own behaviors and whatnot um how do you kind of frame your writing is it all is it observational is it guilt is it you know hope where does the majority of it come from um that's a good question like originally um lyrics were were never an important thing to me It, it didn't really as long as there was words being sung along to the music then i was happy and i didn't really go go into exploring what so much what people were trying to say that just in my enjoyment of the you know the full package but uh over the past like say three or four years lyrics have actually started to you know mean something and then i actually well i've always hated writing them and like the past few years i've actually started to enjoy them i think because i've you know, I'm writing about personal things as opposed to just writing about stories or, you know, think ideas that come into my head. It's, you know, I, because I'm writing about personal things, it's, um, I don't know, it just seems more important. Yeah, it comes across as deeply personal because there's there's a lot in there. And I must say, your your turn of phrase is absolutely brilliant. You, you Either you have a thesaurus next to you when you're writing, or you've got an extraordinarily broad vocabulary. Um, <laughs> just the way you structure your sentences and then translate that into your vocal phrasing, I find absolutely fascinating. You make some pretty big words fit in flawlessly or seamlessly <laughs> into your your vocal, which, you know, is to be congratulated because to use a different word would completely ruin the essence of what you're saying. So yeah. I, I noted on every single song there were like lyrics, uh, lines that just jumped out of me. I'm like, wow, that's brilliant. Um, you know, so... Right. So very well done on that. I want to talk about the first single. Um, you know, as the first song from the album that you've shared with the world, it is, of course, Waiting. And I'll just read you some of my notes on this because these are my impressions of your music. And then you can get, you can uh, talk about the song. So I, okay. I say... Uh, this one starts off with a tone which immediately had me thinking that I was at Liverpool Lime Street Station listening to the overhead announcement for my train departing for Euston on Platform 9. Just the the little tone at the beginning? Yes. When you yes. only hear it the first time and you don't know what comes henceforth, you're like, well, that could be an announcer above, you know, waiting for the uh, for the mystic train. But, you know, fortunately, uh, I guess we move over quickly into almost uh, Jean-Michel Jarre tapestry of keyboards and synth. And that's where, again, my experience listening to Rendezvous and Oxygen and all that going way back, I got some of that coming through. There's a lot going on on the song, but it's not too busy. And all the separate elements combine nicely. And I love the break section that leads into your clean vocal. It's, you know, very entrancing. Um, the vocal sets the mood, 
but visually, does the image that you've used for the digital signal, how does that relate to the song itself? And then tell me about the song. Okay, um, so I think visually, um, most of the sort of imagery was just what Steve had had uh, come up with. Steve was the guy who did all my artwork. He's um, It's basically his vision, how he's interpreted what the song was about. Um, so the the song, the music was written first. Um, I, I don't know where it came from, if I'm honest. It was, I, I was in the mood for writing something that was a bit sort of more experimental than the other songs on the album. Um, so that's where all that sort of synthy sounds came from. It's funny you talk about Jean-Michel Jarre because um, I grew up listening to Jean-Michel Jarre. My dad was a big fan and he was also a big Vangelis fan as well. So I, I think that's probably, you know, a, a large part of um, why I like those synthy sounds and um, obviously being a Frost fan as well. Um, Frost were a big influence on this song that that opening vocal line, that sort of pitch shift sound, it's it's a it's a sound that Gem from Frost has used on nearly all of the albums, and it's a sound that I really like. So I was kind of paying homage, kind of ripping him off. I don't know, <laughs> but um, being inspired by, <laughs> yes, being inspired by certainly, yeah. So um, yeah, and that uh, lyrically, it, it's a bit of a bleak song um, about sort of how we're in a position now that we. You know, it's it's nice to have a dream of where you're going to go, but it's it's not realistic to to fo- to follow a dream um, in in the world that we're in now. So, um, you, you know, you know, try your best, and you know, you know, if you've got a job in in this sort of climate, then you you're doing you're doing well. I know it's it's a bleak way of looking at it, but it's the way I'm I'm observing things. And in the um, the first sort of pre-chorus where it the lyrics are um, "Help me, I'm waiting. Hold me, I'm fading." It was, it was from the perspective of somebody who's sort of in their teenage years, who are, have just got all their exams, all their grades, and now they don't know what to do. They, they've got they've got all these ideas, but there's no one to help them get them through it. So that was kind of the the idea for the lyrics for that. That's always what I love talking to the actual person who wrote the song, because what I got out of it was, uh, for me, it felt like coping with a panic attack. And in my, in my 20s, I started suffering horrendous panic attacks. Um, and this just like waiting, waiting, you know, you know, some of the elements of your waiting are what you do when you have a panic attack and you're trying to calm yourself and you're focusing in on a, a single thing. And it just seemed to combine with what you were saying in the song that remind me of the coping mechanisms for a panic attack and maybe the bleakness of modern, you know, uh, coming into the world after your exams is a panic attack of what is there now, uh, oh, yeah. which are probably very, very similar feelings. I love the way I love the way um, lyrics can be interpreted in so many different ways. And like, like you say, you know, that the panic attack, it is kind of a panic attack that sort of situation coming coming out of that and not just um for kids who are trying to sort of move on in the world but like later on where i talk about how you know what state the world is in you know in a state of panic i suppose uh, and even more so with the, the whole pandemic we've just been through as well or still going through so yeah 
Yeah, Makes we're not sense. quite done yet, are we? <laughs> no, uh, no. Let's, let's move on to the first song from the album. And I, again, I'll give you my, my kind of notes on this. I love the vocal modulations and the Carnival Funhouse uh, vibe that you have. This reminded me of, uh, what was it at Southport, the Pleasureland that they used to have in the 80s. Uh, there was like a, a carnival thing on, on the beach side there. But it reminded me kind of of, of the... Brighton Carnival or, you know, something to that effect. But there are some big fat chords in there yes. in that song. I like those because they jump out of you. But there's a lighter fluttering, again, synthy kind of thing in the background. So you're not going full on. Uh, you're, you're restraining it, but there's elegance. And what I notice on this one, it's got a lot of pop hooks. You, you got to appreciate some pop music in, in your listening. So, um, <laughs> A life defined by the wrong decisions. Tell us about the song. Uh, so it's a bit of a personal one. This um, it was just it was just about decisions that I'd made over you know the course of a few years that I wasn't too pleased with. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the lyrics in it. Yeah, it was like sort of. Um, that's that's pretty much all I can say. It was just like a decisions that I've made that I wish I hadn't made, and I wish I could go back and change the way I acted and the way you know people I acted t towards. You know, I wish they could see things differently as well. So that's pretty much what that's, that's a haunted house again. It's about demons, you know, personal demons, personal ghosts. So, yeah. It, inside yeah. us all is a haunted house, but you yeah, know, I love the piano break section. I could, I just closed my eyes when I was listening to that the first time and I saw a skeleton at a piano, you know, playing <laughs> that part, you know, just like you'd see in a, you know, kind of a, a, a soft horror flick, you know, nothing, nothing too, too gory. So, you know, and again, this is the one where I, th I felt the big keyboards were very kind of reminiscent of Maiden without the guitars. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. All right. Moving on. We're going to jump all the way to the end. Ghosts. Okay. Right. It became the title track. How do you choose a title track? How did this one speak to you and say, this is the title track for the album? This is the one I want to represent that album in that way. And then you tack it on at the end of the album. <laughs> um, it, it was, so when I'd written the music for it, before I'd even written the lyrics to it, I knew it was going to be the last one. Uh, because of that final uh, piano section at the end, I, I thought that's just a perfect way to end the album. So that was always already set in stone. And then... Lyrically, um, so when I came up with the name for it, it was because I'd already named the album at that point. Um, um, lost my train of thought now. Um, oh yeah, it's my favourite song on the album as well. It's it's a, my personal favourite. I think it's the one that's got everything in it, and it's probably got my strongest vocal performance on the album as well. So I think it is the standout track. There's a lot of really good guitar work across this album. I mean, I, I have focused a little bit on the synths because I do enjoy that in this style of music, but you've got some exquisite guitar work. Is that you or do yeah. you have guests? No, it's me. Um, I, I normally like on the past albums, I've just sort of thrown together a couple of you know, power chords and just let all the strings and everything do the work for me, but uh, I wanted to make a bit of an effort on this one, certainly with um, guitar solos, which is 
you know, sometimes I do break out with solo, but it's, it's not a common thing for me. So I wanted to get as many on here as I could. And I think, what? I think nearly all the songs have got a solo in them, except for Waiting. So yeah, I've definitely uh, sort of, sort of uh, put a bit of effort in on the guitar playing. Well, what do you play? Um, I play a, it's a, it's a Schechter C1 Classic. It's a, it's, do you want me to show it you? No, 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 no. I just, <laughs> I, I just want to, in terms of kit, what, what you're playing, you know. Um, Rat Race, and I want to apologize to you for this. I could imagine Ghost or Nightwish covering Rat Race easily. That seems to, I, I know Ghost is a little bit of either you love them or hate them or are offended by them or, um, but I love the focus of the bass in this song. I mean, I've just, you know, talked about your guitar work. The bass work on this is equally uh, fantastic, but the chorus of Rat Race. So now that you've told me a little bit about where this album was kind of birthed, Rat Race makes sense. Um, but again, another lyric jumped out at me. I'll smile and pretend that I'm letting you in. Great song. Why don't you tell us about that one? So uh, Rat Race actually now come to think about it is kind of about the um pandemic and um, the first verse i think it's talking about because i i work in a in a supermarket so i am surrounded by people on a daily basis and it's just talking about how how um little people care about others in regards to um the pandemic and they, as long as they get what they want um they're not really too bothered about anyone else and particularly the people that that work in the shop like myself it's just sort of like like well, almost like we don't even exist it's sort of like i'll just push past you because I, I need something there so that was what it was it was just a, a song about my rage during the pandemic um so yeah I, I have actually brushed on the coronavirus in this album as well it's i guess it's hard not to because it really did come across that way i think rat race is my favorite song on the album Ooh. other than waiting which waiting i did not like the first time i heard it it was oh. only as we went through repeated listenings and i got the context of where it sat within the album uh, that it's now one of my favorites so so there you go you never go by your first listen because th those those bongs at the beginning they were really disconcerting for me at first uh, but now <laughs> uh, i look forward to it when it comes back into the uh, track sequence abracadabra it's the shortest song on the album i was almost like um this is like iron maiden in a little way that uh, you've got all these eight seven you didn't do any 18 minute songs on this, um, a nice four minute and a bit, uh, song, but it's beautiful. It is absolutely gorgeous. The piano and vocal and how you build, uh, the lyrics. This one, I think is one of the finest examples of your lyricism on the album. It's absolutely spectacular. Uh, but I don't want to say too much about the rest of the song because I think it's really something that people need to listen to and hear for themselves. Why don't you tell us about Abracadabra? So, yeah, Abracadabra. I, it's, um, I'm not somebody who writes short songs. It's it's very very rare. Um, but I just I came up with this little piano idea, um, and I thought I'll, I'll work on this. And then as a, the more more it went on, I thought this is kind of like a sort of almost like a ballad kind of sound, but more like a I, I don't know like a pop song almost. Um, so I wanted it to to be just that i wanted it to be a pop song with with a, with a build and a guitar solo and then a massive chorus at the end um and i, I think i pulled it off 
<laughs> lyrically, um, it's about um, religion, um, my inability to believe in God, um, no matter how much I want to, um, my my mind just won't let me won't let me believe in something like that. So it's basically um, sort of envious of people who do. It's pretty much what the song's about. And that was going to be something that I mentioned, you know, going back to your very first album, I, I got a distinct feeling of faith and spiritualism in conflict. Does that kind of drive a lot of the material that there are elements, you seem to be very observant of people, but this song, you know, really kind of comes back to the first album and a lot of the material that was on there. Yeah. Um, well, I, I was, I had a, a quite a big Catholic upbringing. Um, so it was, it was rammed down my throat from an early age up until, you know, my late teens. So I, I, I'm knowledgeable with um, the Catholic faith and Christianity generally. So it's, it's easy for me to write about, but, um, but, you know, as the older I got, the more I realized that it was something that I couldn't believe in because my mind wouldn't let me. So um, it's, it's easy for me to write about. Um, the, the end comes too late is actually a, a concept album. Um, it was a story that I created about, um, uh, the main character accidentally crashes his car. That's the first track. He crashes his car and kills his family, but survives. And then he goes through a whole cycle of um, trying to find his faith because he's lost his faith because of that night. And then he goes through a whole lot of things of taking drugs and sleeping around and things like that. And then at the very end, he, he finally finds God. And then it's, well, it's a bit of a grim ending. The whole album's um, very bleak. <laughs> but yeah, that's what that's about. So it's not Excellent. really a personal album, that. Okay. Well, great story nonetheless. <laughs> All right, final song. Um, and again, I've gone out of order just because of how I like to do things. The River of Spite. When you're spewing in my ear, I find it hard to hear. Your words just disappear. That ties straight back into the story from the supermarket of people in kind of modern society, doesn't it? You know, that people yeah. are always shouting, but not talking. And even worse, not listening to one another. So it, it seems like a response to the difficult conversations that go on in many places. You know, you're in Britain, we're in America. There's been a lot of shouting over the last four years with Brexit, uh, with, you know, President Trump on this side, um, where no one's listening to anyone anymore, that everyone's just shouting. This is another one where I, I, I said a spectacular uh, guitar solo, but this is the one where the bass shines on the album, just really driving the song. But the choral background vocals, love those as well. Uh, but I do want to ask you about one thing, the piano section. I immediately started thinking of Deep Purple. Nobody's perfect. And right. the superstar chorus during Strange Kind of Woman. Um, I actually started singing that. So um, <laughs> tell us about River of Spite. So River of Spite, um, musically, I've been listening to a lot of Flying Colors. Um, so that's probably 
Uh, so it's a, a bit of Neil Morse coming out in me uh, from, from that song. Um, I don't know. It's a bit of a, a sort of co- colossal um, mismatch of everything, isn't it? There's um, it's lots of darkness, lots, lots of light. Um, the, the pianos are, are quite um, integral on the whole album really but on on this song specifically and there's organs in this one so i i don't know where it came from but it just it just um when i was writing it the, everything all the ideas were just flowing and it, it it was very very quick to write um the second guitar solo was only put in there because there was originally going to be some vocals there that i decided to shelve so I thought, i'll stick a guitar solo in there and i'm really glad that i did and that guitar solo plays with all the brass in, brass section in the background as well. It's 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 great. Uh, lyrically, you you touched upon it. Then um, it's actually more about sort of keyboard warriors and people who are all too keen to have a go at people behind closed doors um, without being um, you know being there to you know defend themselves and things like that. Also. Um, how people are not willing to debate things anymore if they're if they're not if people disagree with their ideas and they're they're wrong and um so it's yes pretty much about that yeah the inability to meet in the middle anymore or negotiate or you know just in order to move forward two paths converge and head off in the same direction but it's it's a very very strong album i mean you must be be proud of it number one that you've completed it um when does it come out and you know where can people find you what what is the best place as an artist for you to be remunerated in the best manner because you did mention spotify <laughs> which <laughs> made, made me chuckle Where, where's the best place for people to find you okay so as, as far as money goes um Bandcamp's obviously the best place um because you know i think i'm going to be probably charging around four british pounds for it um but obviously people can pay more if they wish um so that's that'll be the best place like i said somewhere down the line there will be a cd version um because i've just signed with reficle records now so um mark's gonna mark's gonna be helping me with promotional side things and i'm helping me get the album pressed onto cd as well um i've always been pretty bad at um self-promotion so i'm glad that mark's helping me out with this because it it just opens up new doors and new avenues and a whole new world for me now um but yeah uh, to answer your original question, Bandcamp is the place to be. And um, my Facebook page as well is where you can find out all the information about the album and upcoming things. Okay. Is there anything that you would like to add before we end? Um, for the for the few days until the album is released, if someone was to get the best representation of Joe Bailey which one of your previous albums would you say go and check out this album if you want a taste of joe um which of course is the american turn of fraser coffee go listen to this album which which one would you do and then i'll tell you which one i think people should check out i put you on on the spot there (laughs) yeah that's a which one of your children do you love the most (laughs) (laughs) and i would okay so it's a toss-up between 
um, less than nothing and a price to pay. Um, I think a price to pay has more of the sort of hooks. Um, although the songs are incredibly long, um, as they all are, um, there's more. It's more sort of geared towards songy type things, whereas less than nothing's more proggy and over the top. I think less than nothing is probably my favourite, so I would recommend that one. Okay, I'm going to recommend um, which one was it? Nightingale. Oh, okay. Um, Prodigal Son. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, that was that was my initial impression on there. Hieroglyph and uh, Sugarcane as well. Just that's got a stunning ten songs on it. All of your albums are exceptional. There wasn't one that I thought was not a good album. There wasn't. They're they're all equally good. But I, I really do hope people do go over and see JoeBailey1.bandcamp.com. Check out Joe's music. Check out the new single "Waiting," and then on the uh, I'm flipping between too many screens here. You know, <laughs> um, the fourteenth of May. Yeah. Check out the full album "Ghost." Joe. Thank you very much for taking the time to join me. And I wish you the best of luck with this. You've done a fantastic job. It's been a very entertaining album. Now I've got a dozen listens under my belt. I think people who enjoy this genre of music are going to really, really enjoy your album. So well done. Thank you very much. It means a lot. Thank you for watching or listening to this episode. Be sure to subscribe to us, like us, or even leave us a review. You can find us and join the conversation on Facebook. Facebook.